All right. Hello. What's going on? Rich Ryan here. It's Reinforced Running Podcast. What's up? Today, it's going to be a bit of a build on the episode from last week, but still worth as a standalone. I talked about how to organize your training a little bit differently from short course hybrid to long course. And I'm just going to kind of break down some fundamental concepts around kind of what I spoke about last week and just a framework that you could use for how to organize your own training and really what the purpose is behind each and every workout. And it can just kind of be like a guiding light to help you for that. I hope, I hope that's what this will be. So before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Resolute Coffee. We're all out here experiencing things in person, doing these events like DecaFit, like Hyrox, like Spartan Race. We live for those type of experiences in a world that's way more digital than it ever has been before. In-person experiences are more valuable than ever. And I think that that is a piece that you should also put into place for your morning ritual like coffee. A great coffee experience just kind of sets the day in the right direction. A great cup of coffee that you know has been crafted and is cared about. It makes the difference, you know, so you're going to be drinking that coffee, might as well make it quality, might as well enjoy the experience. Resolute Coffee can do that for you. Plus, Resolute Coffee has been created by a member within our own community who's out there crushing high rocks, doing DecaFit, putting in training. So he's one of us. He supports us. Let's support them. Resolute Coffee, RR20 for 20% off. Check the link down in the show notes. Get your bag today. My favorite right now is a Ponte. Honey, a Colombian bean. It's delicious. Resolute coffee, crush it daily. All right. So again, this is a bit of a framework that I want that I want to kind of explain and kind of go through. And it's really just a way you can think about what you need to work on and then put a workout into place that is going to work on that one specific thing. So there's going to be four different pieces that's going that we're going to talk about within this framework. It's aerobic capacity, aerobic power anaerobic capacity and anaerobic power. And each workout that you design can help improve these specific areas. So I'm going to tell you what they are, how they're going to help you, and when you can put those in and kind of give some examples as good as I can for what that's going to mean in terms of your training and how it would kind of look for something like high rocks or deck fit. So aerobic capacity basically is the maximum amount of oxygen that you can take in per minute. And this is all, this can be kind of convoluted between VO2 max. Uh, They're almost the the same when it comes to that, basically how much oxygen you could take in and how much you can use. And so aerobic capacity is super important because it can improve your ability to utilize fat as fuel, improve your mitochondrial density, which are both very important for endurance performance. And the mitochondria, what it does, that helps break down like the carbohydrates and fats, which uh, which is going to be j- your energy source from food, and will create ATP, which is kind of like the precursor to all movement. So training is going to increase the size of the mitochondria and can also increase the density. It can You can create more. So if you're consistently overloading your aerobic system to be like, hey, we need more energy, we need higher energy demands, we need to utilize this fuel – it will create more mitochondria the same way that it will create a bigger muscle fiber. If you're going to progressively overload for something like your bench press for your chest or for your glutes or for your quads, that's, what's going to happen within your system and the mitochondria. It's not really necessarily miserable, but it is going to help improve your, your endurance. And another thing that also does, it helps 
kind of restart a process. It helps recycle some of the byproduct that is delivered or expressed when you start working at higher rates. And this byproduct, which we'll get into a little bit later, can also uh, is a main cause of fatigue. So the more mitochondria you have, the better. The better you can utilize fat as fuel, the better. The more you, the better and faster you can utilize carbohydrates as fuel, the better. And that's really what this aerobic what aerobic capacity can do. So one way, and this is one thing that I think in general is going to be a little bit lacking from the sport as a whole. Uh, when we're talking about high rocks, when we're talking about decafit, I think CrossFit does a mediocre job of developing aerobic capacity because all the events are so short that you can manage it. You can, you can do kind of like the minimum amount required. And there's so much other work that you need to do, even within the sport, like of, of hybrid fitness racing, where it's like, there's a lot of areas where you can improve upon, right? So building aerobic capacity takes time and that time will take away from the other elements, right? And like I said, media, CrossFit does a mediocre job of it because they need to work on their technique uh, for snatches, they need to work on the gymnastics, they need to work on all these skills. So the time spent working on your aerobic capacity is going to take away from those other things. And generally in CrossFit, the other things are going to be what's going to be the limiter. I think a lot of times in uh, Hyrox in particular, because the barrier of these stations are a bit higher than something like DecaFit. We can also kind of get lost in in that and spend a little bit, a lot of time working on like station work and just really kind of drilling homes, these different things that it, it ends up being in lieu of aerobic training and the aerobic training is going to be very important in terms of like the energy development and what's going to happen in terms of your overall fatigue, where the station work uh, I've touched on a couple of times before, like there's efficiency that you can improve upon, which can help make your work a little bit more aerobic. But for the majority of people, especially as we're beginning, that work's going to be mostly muscular endurance, muscular endurance work, and even maybe like a touch of like anaerobic work, um, because there's going to be a limiter on what you can do in terms of how much it's going to probably stifle your aerobic capacity and your aerobic capacity training, which will stifle your aerobic capacity. And this is a big event, right? So here's some things that you can kind of, when we're talking about aerobic capacity, like how do you know if you need to work on that? So some of the byproducts of a fatigued aerobic system is going to be uh, breathlessness is a big one, right? So if we're not able to get to like your, your aerobic system is going to help eliminate some of the byproduct from the anaerobic piece and this, and if that is not, if there, if like it accumulates a little bit too much, like the, this, this lactic acid that's in there and the byproduct from the, uh, hydrogen plus ion that happens, it's going to create some metabolites in there that's going to inhibit some of the things that we need that are going to help us continue to uh, not be exhausted. So one big one of that is it can hinder the ability of hemoglobin in these red blood cells to release oxygen to the working muscles, right? And in, when that starts to happen, hemoglobin is... Uh, it delivers that oxygen that you get when breathing in. So the, the lung, it breathe, comes in through the lungs. It's transported by the hemoglobin. As if there is not enough hemoglobin getting delivered to the muscles, your respiration rate is going to increase, right? And this is a clear indicator, right? Like that's something that we all know running in gym class, <laughs> running at, running from the beginning of time. Breathlessness is really one of the first things that pops up that, that happens to, to us as athletes. And if this is happening to you during a race, then it's probably your 
you've gone a little bit too hard, most likely, and your aerobic system probably might not be developed to the place where it needs to be for this. There's going to be a certain point in the race where your breathlessness is going to have to just, you're just gonna have to deal with the high respiration rate. And we're going to work into a different energy system when that happens. But for the most part, if the longer you can stave that off, the better. And then, and so this hemoglobin is very important to help with the production of energy within the muscles. So is that as a rate of exercise goes up, the breathlessness can go up and your capa aerobic capacity can help level that out. So you are delivering this very important protein in your red blood cells to the, uh, to the muscles from your lungs. Your heart rate will also increase. And this is another piece that is something that we know is pretty clear indicator or a correlation to your fatigue levels. As you are trying to get in more uh, more hemoglobin to those muscles, the your heart will start to pump more to try to create more red blood cells to deliver that there. So that kind of works hand in hand, right? The breathlessness can go up and then your heart rate can kind of go up. Trying to accomplish the same effect to deliver oxygen to the muscles. And if it doesn't get there, then things will really kind of spike, right? So if your heart rate gets so spiked and it's it's working super hard, that can that will create fatigue uh, overall, and a lot of times it won't get you the appropriate amount of oxygen to the muscles. You might start to feel that lack of oxygen creating like a heaviness in your in your system, and not necessarily like that overall burning that we can feel when we're working really hard, but like a fatigue, like a oh I'm drained. I, I can't. I I don't feel like I can go any further any faster. And that's going to be your aerobic system kind of bumping up to its um, high-end fatigue level, and you're going to be tired aerobically, right? These byproducts that linger within your system, such as uh, the, the lactic acid that's in there, it just inhibits what can happen because it, be, it creates a, a more acidic uh, environment within your system so that you cannot get the, the appropriate amount of oxygen delivered to your muscles, right? It's just not a... It's not a suitable place for oxygen to be delivered because of this acidosis that can happen. And that can all happen because your aerobic system is not developed developed well enough yet. And you don't have a high enough level of uh, ability to kind of get rid of that byproduct that comes in. So the aerobic system is very uh, important that way so that you don't go anaerobic too soon. And another thing that can happen, right? Like this can, this is, this is something that happens within races. I know when I'm talking to people a lot, especially in a high rocks, like when you don't have, again, that appropriate oxygen rich environment for your muscles, then it doesn't get the, uh, blood flow to those specific areas that we would want. And a lot of times we're really sore after races. And, and maybe even at this point now where we're very familiar with the demands of a, an event, we become sore because we're, there's not oxygen getting to those areas and it kind of creates a, a poor like environment for oxygen rich blood to work in the areas that you're really kind of cranking on, like your, your glutes or your quads for something like high rocks and deck. I find it to be my lower back. I don't know if it's just like the Ram burpees at the, at the point of the race or the sled at the, at the, at that point of the race that I'm just so like kind of anaerobic that I can't get appropriate oxygen to those areas. And the muscle damage that happens doesn't get immediate um, replenishment of um, oxygen rich blood. So it can kind of create a little bit more soreness basically is what I'm saying. <laughs> like it's not always like muscle soreness is created is, is muscle damage for sure. That's what it is. But 
A lot of times that can happen because of an anaerobic environment that is not able to help replenish what is needed to help you uh, continue to, to like repair the muscles immediately. Right. So it just like kind of staves that off a little bit and creates uh, muscle, a little bit more muscle soreness than what you typically would think. That's why racing, you can be a little bit more sore, even though training, you can do like more volume or, or heavier weight or whatever it is. So really what, so in terms of aerobic, uh, aerobic capacity, these are like easy runs, keeping thing like high, like zone three machine work, uh, long AMRAPs that can be moved in and out of relative relatively easily so this wouldn't be like doing a hundred wall balls in your air wrap and like ha- taking like 45 seconds break uh, or or minute long breaks uh in between these sets because you're so exhausted or muscularly you're becoming so damaged that you can't continue to go so it's really just kind of making sure that you can consistently be working at a rate in which you are having to kind of breathe at a relatively elevated level or your heart rate stays at a relatively consistent level not incredibly elevated but like but higher than walking (laughs) and this is this is like really the not that much fun training right this is but it's so important when it comes to all of the uh, the rest of the system like if your aerobic system falls short everything else kind of hinges on that all these other systems that i'm going to talk about hinge on your aerobic system it's not going to make you like super fast none of the work here is fast but it's going to develop it's going to create an environment within your body that's going to help you become fast. And it's also going to build uh, oxygen pathways to, to your muscles. It's going to help build muscular endurance and resilience. So you can do a little bit more work and that could be on running. It could be on the machines. It could be uh, in on the stations, but making sure that you're staying at a consistently high rate of work for a long duration of time and something that's not going to make you slow down in any which way is very important for this. And it's something that is, again, not fun and it's not very specific, but it should be probably the majority of your work, especially within the base building phase. Right now, as we're speaking, it is June. The high rock season is basically over. The deck of fit season is kind of like in the middle, but for most of us, it's a good time to figure out what kind of base work we want to put in and do that right now now so base work is going to be a lot of aerobic work and it should also stay with uh, pretty consistent so you are maintaining you might not be building aerobic strength all the time but you can maintain aerobic strength uh, pretty easily and if, but if things kind of like drop below where like a baseline of aerobic work is you can start it can get a slight decrease and you're just going to adapt to basically the minimum amount that you need in order to um like keep homeostasis, right? Like, so if you're going, I'm just going to use hours at a time. So if you go from like seven hours of aerobic work and then you drop to five hours of aerobic work, you're not going to lose a ton, but you're only going to be doing as like, it's not, you're not going to grow and you, you can kind of be reduced down a little bit. So staying consistent with aerobic work across the board is very important, very hard to have a big build. So, but you can build and then bring the base down to a little slightly below that. So like, for example, like if you're doing four hours of work, you could build that base work up to, six and then when it comes into maintenance work it can drop into five which is higher than what your base was below at four so and then your aerobic overall capacity is going to be increased from what was at four at maintenance and now it's going to be at five and you took the time to build up to six hours per week uh and you're able to build some resilience and build some uh fatigue resistant muscles and build these pathways that we're talking about build some mitochondrial density and as it drops down like those things will shrink 
shrink back and go back to where they were or a little bit less than where they were at six hours. But then you're able to maintain five hours because muscularly you're going to be in a place that is going to help you recover faster and also also aerobically, like you're aerobically going to be more resilient. So you're not going to be as fatigued during these workouts that the number now five is going to be helpful. So now is a really good time to build from that place. Like if you're running 30 miles a week, building up to 50 and then settling at 40 when it comes into more like that pre-competition competition phase, but aerobic work all year right now to build right now, building is a, is a good idea. So that is aerobic capacity. I probably could have done even more. Maybe I'll do even more on that because that took a, it took longer than I thought to, to explain that. The next one is going to be aerobic power. Aerobic power is basically how much of your aerobic capacity you can express during competition. So this is kind of like how long you can run fast before you start to rely mostly on anaerobic system. And your so your aerobic threshold means mostly the point where lactate starts to rise uh, rise from its baseline. So this is also, there's a thing called the onset of blood lactate accumulation. And this is, this is going to be a place where you want to be able to raise that level. And that can be done through training. And I talk about this all the time. This is basically your aerobic threshold training, right? Like making sure that you're working or running or on the rower or on the skier or on the assault bike at a level that's just below this, just below this level, or just like right at this onset of blood lactate accumulation level so that you can slowly start to rise that up. It's just like anything else where the byproduct will help. Well, the byproduct that you are creating in this is able to get recycled back through and used as energy. It's also going to help with this is also a style of aerobic training, right? So it's going to help elevate those levels of hemoglobin that get dished out to, to your muscles. It's going to help with the mitochondria. It's going to put that to work. It's going to use all of the different levels of uh, energy systems within, within your body to make sure that you are going a lit, like able to sustain a little bit more uh, and a little bit more often. So I don't want to speak to this in, in to a, an incredible extent. I feel like I talk to it all the time, but this is basically like your threshold work. And so these workouts can range from like 90 seconds to uh, these interval rep. The rep ranges of these can be like 90 seconds, to like 30 minutes. Uh, these could be standalone workouts or some sort of mixed modality workouts like your uh, like DecaFit work. I found it's fairly difficult to work in what I would consider this area in high rocks, just because the demands of the stations are, are very high. So again, if you're very efficient through the stations, it could work. But for the most part, if you're like, all right, let's do, uh, let's make sure we're doing high rocks threshold. I would really kind of surround that more with like running and station work, just so you can kind of get to the sustained level where it's right at that onset of blood lactate accumulation line. And it can help bump it up. Like if you're going up and around it, it's not going to get like the sustained duration and volume that it needs to really kind of bump things up. Where if you're doing, yeah, like a bunch of burpee broad jumps, you're just going to get too tired muscularly, or it's going to drive up your respiration rate a little bit too much that you're going to have to slow down or stop. <laughs> so like an example that is like fairly simple, be like five rounds, 500 meter skier, 500 meter run, 25 meter sled push, 60 seconds rest, right? It's like, you're going to be able to go like, 
if you go too fast, you're not going to be able to do it at a sustained level or that rest is going to be a little bit too short that you're not going to be able to, to do it at a sustained level. Or um, so it's rather really like finding like that RPE of like an eight and something that you, that you could hold for high rocks. It's probably gonna be a little bit faster than what you can run in a race that the race efforts just end up being kind of slow just because the muscular demands are just so crazy that in training, if this is where you want to do like your, if you want to train your aerobic power, it might need to be a little bit faster than what you're doing the actual race in. So that's where like intervals kind of build up uh, are, are pretty important and making sure that they're intervals that are going to be things that you can sustain and not, not kill you. It could also be just like straight up 10 by three minutes of running 45 seconds rest, 10 by three minutes ski erg, 45 seconds rest, 10 by three minutes row or mixed modalities all the way through. That's something that's just going to kind of set you at that point and, and help you improve your overall capacity so that you aren't, so you can kind of fight off the, le- the, the rate in which you become anaerobic. So that's your aerobic power workouts. The best time to do those. I think they can be done like pretty much uh, a lot of the year. And I think it's very helpful with high rocks and deck of it training because it is still, it's still improving your aerobic work like this. Like if you're going like, if you were going to do like just running for this, like you might need to pick your spots and build your capacity first before you go right into something like this. But for the most part, you can do it year round. You can do it right from the beginning and, and help figure out like, how, where this line is and help you improve it as you go. So I, I personally think you can do this through base training and into your competition phase. And as the competition phase comes, you can kind of make it a little bit more specific, right? It could be like, for example, in a deck of like deck of fit is a perfect example of this. Cause it's still fast and it's still like at the rate in which you can do it. And it's, it's fairly, um, race specific. So like 400 meter run, 500 meter row, 400 meter run, 20 box step overs, rest a minute. And then you can just repeat that or just 400 meter run, 500 meter skier, 400 meter run, 100 meter farmer's carry, rest a minute. And it could just kind of work through that. And that might feel like race pace for DECA. For high rocks, it's a little, it's again, like those are going to be similar kind of efforts, but I would reduce the reps of the station just because they become such a grind uh, and maybe you kind of mix those in throughout a, a little bit easier. So again, I, I would do these all year, at least once a week, twice a week, potentially. Uh, I think they're, it's very helpful to have this in place. And especially if running is something that you need to improve because you get a little bit more faster mechanical work with these workouts and it's going to allow you to run a little bit faster for the most part, people are going to need to get faster for high rocks. It's just like the deal. Most people are like, Hey, I just need to get faster. I can do all the other stuff. The running is what's killing me. And for that, you're not alone, but we're doing these workouts. It's going to help you run a little bit faster. And the running in high rocks isn't like fast, fast, but it's still like faster than like your regular aerobic runs. So the threshold stuff is right where you need to be. All right. Now your anaerobic capacity. So we've talked about aerobic capacity and aerobic power. Now we're going to talk about anaerobic capacity and anaerobic power and really how to train those things. For the most part, the going anaerobic is where we, especially in a, in a high rocks event, like if you're, if you're completely anaerobic, like you're going to have a, a probably a tough time uh, just because you are going to create a lot of that. And this is what can happen in high rocks, right? You can go too hard on the ski, too hard on the sled, too hard on those first couple of runs, you go anaerobic. Then you're left dealing with a lot of that byproduct that's very hard to to handle 
And it's going to create that breathlessness. It's going to create that oxygen poor environment, that the acidic environment within your muscles. And eventually, and you're just going to, have to slow down because everything's elevated. Your heart rate's elevated, your respiration rate is elevated, and your muscle and then your muscle fatigue is high. So you just have to slow down, and it's really a killer because you can go a little bit too hard on those sleds. But being able to train in a way that keeps your anaerobic capacity relatively high is is an option, right? And, and the, your anaerobic capacity is really a place where you can do that in terms of your base training. So basically your anaerobic capacity is the maximum amount of pyruvate, AKA lactate. Pyruvate is just like what it's called when it's initially produced. And then like the byproduct, like the, when it's put into the system for energy, for like energy, then it's called lactate, but it's the exact same thing. And like the way it's measured is like one-to-one. So I don't even really know why there's multiple words for it, but pyruvate is just like what it is by definition. Okay. So the pyruvate that is produced, so anaerobic capacity is the maximum amount of pyruvate that is produced per second by uh, glycolysis. So it's often refer referred to as uh, VLA max. So that's just, it, and this is really just how much lactate you can produce uh, because it's trainable, right? It will happen no matter what, but if you train it to, to frequently be readily available, that much like in training, what we talked about for your mitochondria, like doing some overload work so that you are, so that those mitochondria are available, your anaerobic capacity is fairly similar. Uh, quick, quick aside, quick anecdote. I recently, I just ran like a 400 for time and for the first time on a track since I think college. So it's been some time, some time as, as not that young of a person here. And I got to a point where I just couldn't go any faster. And it was because everything I, there was, I was relying so heavily on my aerobic system and oxygen that my, and I, that I wasn't, there wasn't an available energy source. Once I started going so fast that oxygen could not be used. And this is when you that lactate is used. Lactate is a very fast, uh, energy. Oh, what's the word? How am I, how am I going to say it? You can use lactate very quickly in terms of converting energy, but the, the byproduct that comes with it is very costly. And that's where you get that, like, that's the byproduct is where you get that acidosis, where you get that not friendly environment for things like hemoglobin and these other metabolites that we need. These other metabolites that kind of like are the byproduct of this. But like, so it does happen in a certain rate, but you can train it to happen fast. And that your body knows like, Hey, when we go this fast, we're going to need to use, we're going to need a different type of, of energy source here. Oxygen is not going to be there. Let's create more pyruvate. That's going to be lactate that we're going to be able to use and then kind of recycle through. <clears throat> so the capacity is how fast your body is willing to do that and how much it can produce like, and for that 400, I got to a point again, I just didn't have any. So I got stuck at a certain rate of exertion because I didn't have any other gear because I didn't have any fuel. So I just had to deal with it <laughs> all the way through the more anaerobic capacity you have, the more things can really hurt and really suck because that burning can be so intense because there's such a byproduct because you have a high level of capacity, a high level capacity of creating this pyruvate. You'll see this in power athletes quite a bit. People who can get on like the assault bike or the uh, rogue bike and just mash, <laughs> just absolutely mash. Of course, there's some sort of uh, like physics equation when it comes to just like mass pushing against mass and then mass and just like being able to turn faster, but they're so powerful that they're able to create this anaerobic 
uh, byproduct of pyruvate very quickly and continue to move through that. And, but by the end, they're so wrecked, they're so wrecked. They can't, they can't do anything else. And, um, so having the ability to put out lactate is certainly important. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily going to be this measurement anaerobic capacity is necessarily going to be a measure of performance. This is just the ability to create energy when we might need it. So this is very important to have in, in like your base phase or just kind of all it most, most, mostly in your base phase. And it's going to be fairly simple workouts, fairly painful workouts, but very short. It could be like three by two minutes on the assault bike, two minutes rest. And that's another thing that you want to rest because if you are limited by how much work you can do because of the byproduct and the acidic environment, then you're not going to be able to, to, to make as much of the lactate uh, pyruvate. I'm going to use them at the same time. If you haven't figured it out, I'm using it the same in the same way. You won't be able to use to create as much lactate and pyruvate as you need to, or as much as you could possibly, I guess it's, it's, it's less, it's less efficient. If like you're doing going really hard and then resting really short and then going hard again, that's a different style of training. We just want to make sure it's like one-to-one rest or even more. So it could be like three by two minute assault bike as hard as you can. And then resting for two to five minutes and then doing it again. It's kind of like power lifting. This is kind of like the, like, this is kind of like your muscular power for your, uh, aerobic for like your energy system. It could be six by 200 meter sprints. It could be like three by 300 meter sprints. It'd be two by 400. That would really suck. It could be 10 by 15 hill sprints to 10 by 15 second hill sprints. It could be something like three by 60 second sled push, 60 seconds recovery, 60 to three minutes recovery, just really hammering the thing. So it's available for you. And when that is hand in hand with your aerobic system being developed and your aerobic power being developed, now we're kind of working in something that is the last concept we're going to talk about is anaerobic power. Your anaerobic power is basically the amount that you can, uh, is how well you can work <laughs> in this anaerobic state. And it's basically like a byproduct of all systems like I was just touching on. And so you need a big, uh, so you need the anaerobic fuel that you develop through your anaerobic capacity work, but you also need a big aerobic system to help with the byproduct and getting rid of that byproduct. So basically your anaerobic power is the rate in which you can work in while being anaerobic. So you can go anaerobic pretty quick and have like this crazy output of it. But if you're not trained to get rid of the byproducts and work through it, you're just going to (laughs) die. You're just going to like want to lay down and, and feel terrible. Um, So this is what the, so this, the way that this kind of gets trained is by doing high output work with short rest. Right. And this is just really going to be about more of a feeling than consistency. One of my favorite workouts for this would be uh, taking the decastation, doing three of them and kind of cutting them all in half and just doing them way harder than what you could possibly do them. So it could be like three rounds, 250 meter skier, 60 meter farmer's carry, 15 cows on the assault bike, going as hard as you possibly can, 12 to 15. So that'd be kind of rough. And it's like 40 second rest. So by the time you're done, you're still really not going to be good by the next time you go through. You're going to have a lot of that anaerobic byproduct in your system. So it's important to have that big aerobic system already built to help kind of shuttle that byproduct away. That's a lot of what the aerobic system is going to do for you. So that's why a lot of times 
I've talked about this before when people are like, I want to have a bigger, uh, bigger, bigger engine, bigger engine, bigger engine. And this, they think an engine like anaerobic power is like engine work, like high level work going really hard and, and hurting really bad. But if you don't have a big enough gas tank from the aerobic system, you're not going to be able to handle that byproduct. And really you're not, you're not going to get the effect that you want from it. So what this is going to do, um, so this is a great, great thing to put in, in competition phases that are going to be pretty specific, right? Like I honestly don't think there's a ton of room for this in high rocks. Um, there can be, and you can kind of put that in there, but I'd almost put it as like maintenance work. That's just going to be a part of it. And it would just be like, kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Cause it's not a system we're going to use that much. Uh, I would make it very sled specific, maybe lunges specific, even like, even like wall balls. I think it can be fairly aerobic. Like you're breathing, <laughs> you know, it's more muscular endurance than, um, like straight up anaerobic work to me. It's just not fast enough. Like you're just not going fast enough. Like, even though like it, like it's basically just consistent air squats, there's like pauses at the, at the top every single time. So it's really not quite fast enough to get completely, anaerobic so i would stick with it with mostly the sled push maybe the pull but in a different but kind of adjusting it differently you could do this of course with the machines you can definitely go anaerobic for sure how much you're going to need that in the race not sure um if if we're thinking if we wanted to be race specific it would be on the i would i would do this on the row more than on the ski and this is definitely something you could do in deca big time deca uh, assault bike you're going to need this anaerobic power so you can work at a high rate. So you can keep working at a higher rate with all the anaerobic byproduct that you have rolling through your system. So like I mentioned that Deca workout, a good running workout that could be, I liked is uh, three to four by four by 400. So three rounds, four by 400, and just taking like 30 second rest between those 400s and making it be fast, like mile pace, like something really fast. And then from, and then like two minutes of rest between each round. Again, we're chasing a feeling here. We're not necessarily chasing a like consistency. We're not really chasing uh, a time. It's just like getting anaerobic and just like dealing with it. It could also be like a really, really shitty one is like four by thousand at sub 5k pace with just like a minute rest. <laughs> it's that's awful. Something I'm not trying to do, but something I got to do. Um, and again, that could just, it's going to help your ability to handle the, the lactate. So there, so I think there could be a place for this for high rocks, but you're going to have to be working. You're going to have to be operating at, at a very high level in order to really have these workouts kind of pay off. Generally, I would say people are going to need to hone in more on their aerobic capacity and their aerobic power before they really need to worry about their anaerobic power. Um, so the problem with that is anaerobic power workouts are, are they're like a little bit more fun. <laughs> they're shorter. You can really push into it. You get done. You're like, Oh my God, it's so good. But where an aerobic power workout, you're just like, grinding and it's more mental and it's like oh wow like so for that and for that reason i think it's even more important for high rocks because you need to have that mental wherewithal and need to kind of push into a place that is like slightly uncomfortable for a long time where your anaerobic power is just not going to be race specific enough um but in deca it's bit race specific and deca mild deca strong obviously very race specific and any of those like short type events are going to work really well so in summation Aerobic capacity all year long, steady state work, like high zone two, low zone three, just putting in longer efforts that or you're breathing heavy, breathing relatively heavy, heart rates relatively high, but nothing crazy on both ends. Aerobic power most of the year, 
but competition periods can be uh, the most beneficial if you really want to polarize it and um, can give you a, good, a decent bump in fitness. Uh, I think I think you can get a good bump in fitness. Not, I mean, nothing's linear necessarily, but in kind of a linear fashion here. So you can do it all year, but if you want to, like, I need to specifically focus on base, do base first, work this in toward your, your pre-competition and competition phase. Anaerobic capacity. This can be done all year, but like once a week. You don't need to be cranking on this, and it could be just very high-end work on the sled, the row, the assault bike, the, your your skier, your row, just things that are going to help you produce the ability to make lactate. And your anaerobic power, this is mostly competition period and competition period for very specific things. High rocks, eh, maybe, I mean, I guess, potentially I would make it very much around the sleds. Uh, and then uh, deck of stuff, very very specific right up into the competition phase. Your anaerobic power can improve in as short as like two weeks. So like one or two workouts per week, probably just one. Uh, you could do two, whatever, because uh, they're short. And if you're doing all machines, like two weeks is enough time to like improve. So for that reason, like you don't necessarily need to have big blocks of this. I'd recommend eight weeks at most, and that's going to suck. <laughs> and then like, you're going to probably hit points where you're like, I'm not improving uh, because it's not going to be super rapid and it's going to be pretty painful. Um, Six to eight weeks, I would say the max eight for sure the max, but I think I think six weeks is a good sweet spot for this type of training. Cool. So when you're looking at your training, when you look at your workouts, what is this going to accomplish? What am I aiming to do for these workouts? And then picking one of these four buckets to put it in. Uh, it's mostly like again, you're mostly going to do aerobic work <laughs> for for the majority of things. Making sure that it's somewhat balanced, kind of favoring more the aerobic side of things. Just so you're looking at it, you're like, oh, this is all anaerobic capacity work, like. I'm, I'm not balanced where I need to be. So hopefully this framework can help you adjust and uh, analyze your schedule a little bit easier, a little bit better. All right, before we go, quick shout outs to one of my sponsors here, 10,000 Apparel. 10,000 Apparel is just the most, it's like the easiest thing to do to like it's a no-brainer it's no nonsense apparel that's rugged it holds up and it looks good the i was wearing the interval short even before they had given me any support because they are the best short that i found for what we're doing those in particular they got pockets i put my gloves in there for the sled pull there's a little zip pocket that will help for uh, that you can put nutrition in there they fit really well. They they wick moisture incredibly well. They're not heavy. They're not. I never have to think about it. And that's the best part about any piece of apparel is not needing to worry about it. And I know when I have my interval shorts, when I go into that race, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. The uh, last thing I think about anything that I'm wearing. I got the shorts that I love that I know are going to work and perform really well for me. And I'm going to need to focus where need to put my focus on the competition and nowhere else. And that's, what's amazing about 10,000 apparel. Plus the people within 10,000 are advocates. They're out there. They're out there. They're based in New York. Bunch of them were running in New York at the last high rocks and really trying hard, <laughs> not just doing it to be like, huh, maybe I should understand like the space that we're going into and, and knowing what it's like. No, they have hardcore goals and they train really hard to achieve them. So again, these people, they love the sport that we love. We should show them support. 10,000 apparel, it's, it's a no-brainer, honestly. Like, again, I was wearing it before they were hooking me up. Now they are hooking me up, and I can hook you up. Our Ryan, 15, 15% off. If you're looking for anything, I would try the interval short, man. Like it is, It's interval short, versatile top. 
those two pieces are just going to work. It's just going to be good fit to size, especially on the short end. And it's nothing. Sometimes it's hard to get a good quality fit with shorts. Not these amazing. So check out 10,000 apparel R Ryan 15, 15% off your entire order squad. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.